The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, and welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. A little bit later today, we'll be joined by Mike Huguenin from The Athletic to talk about college football, and we had plenty to talk about. Uh, weird, it, it's been weird around here. There's no doubt about it. You know, I've been worried about my dad, worried about uh, over in St. Augustine. My whole family is on the East Coast, so we've been worried about everybody uh, dealing with that. But, um, you know, just watching the hurricane and – the poor people in the Bahamas and certainly terrible deaths. And it's just, it's just kind of makes you realize it's just a game we're watching. What just, it's fun and we enjoyed it. And I'll tell you, I enjoyed the heck out of Saturday, but every 30 minutes, my dad's flipping over and watch, watching the hurricane. You're going, Oh, and more somber news. Uh, but that's, it's been a weird, you know, the weird part about it was, you could see a wobble and a turn to the left, and then there's no football Saturday here in Gainesville. And now Florida's going to go. And again, I'm I'm not trying to minimize the damage and the and the loss of life here. But then Florida's going to go three weeks before playing another game. Um, so yeah, that would have been weird in itself. But it looks like we're going to avoid that, and we'll see what kind of crowd there is on Saturday. Um, it's going to be hot. It's going to be really humid. Um, it's not going to be full. I mean, it's Tennessee Martin, but, um, make sure you look at the, uh, read. I know it's been weird in the paper too. You got two papers on one day. Your back nine is going to be in Wednesday's paper, but I do have a column for Thursday. I just interviewed Clint McMillan, who, uh, was a player here at Florida, really good guy when he was here, still a great guy. He's an assistant coach at Tennessee Martin. So you can read all about what he's doing, um, with them, and and not surprisingly, he's a special teams. Uh, part of his duties is special teams, and he was a really good special teams player when he was at Florida. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's like I call them the Invisigators. It's like the Gators have been kind of invisible, ex- unless you're listening to people like Kirk Herbstreit or other people still bashing him from that game from last week. Uh, now they've got new people to bash because there are a lot of people that. Obviously, there were a lot of upsets, and there were a lot of teams that just looked terrible. And there's amazing stories out there with how bad some things were. And we'll get to all that. But you know the the old coaching cliche is that teams get there's they get their biggest improvement is from week one to week two. What about week one to week three? Because we there is no week two. There was no games for Florida in week two. Um. So I wonder, I mean, this is unusual. This is something they've never really dealt with. I mean, they've had bye weeks, open weeks before, but not in the second week. And it'll be interesting to see how sharp they are. Now, we all know that they went and and looked at all the things they didn't do well and mistakes they made. And, uh, you know, as Coach Mullen said, shoot, the turnovers should have been touchdowns. If if Malik Davis catches the pitch – He's gone. If Felipe gets the ball out of Pirine's 
Mitts, he hits Trayvon Grimes for a touchdown. So there were opportunities there to score touchdowns on the plays where they got hurt on turnovers. And if they do that, look, that would have been a blowout. I mean, I'm not saying a blowout blowout. I mean, I'm saying like Florida might have won that game, you know, 34 to 10 if they don't make so so many mistakes, tackling mistakes, as we all know. Uh, But there's no point in really in going back to that game. That game is not not only done, it's way in the rear view. You can barely pick it out, barely identify it in the rear view. If the bashing wants to continue, if Kirk Herbstreit wants to continue on on, uh, Felipe Franks, it's just the way it's going to be. But I know that a lot of people got upset Saturday over that. I mean, it's funny. You look at his stats and you look at Trevor Lawrence's stats. Felipe had better stats. Trevor Lawrence is supposed to win the Heisman, isn't he? But that's it happens in the first game. Look at Bo Nix's stats even after he he led a great comeback and that was a huge win for him and he's a true freshman. I get all that. But his stats weren't anything great. Again, Felipe's problem, and I'm not defending him just blanket. I, I think Felipe still has issues that are personality driven. And sometimes they work for you, sometimes they work against you when you have that kind of a personality. You know, he's a little bit rowdy and he's a little bit excitable. He's an excitable young boy. We had to go get uh, Warren Zevon's song and play that during the break. But he. His, his biggest problem from that game, from the game from last week, and then now I'm not going to talk about it anymore, were optics. It was, it was talking to the fans. The rest of it I don't care about. In fact, I was watching the Michigan game, highlights of it. It was on my phone or something that came up. And when he scored the touchdown against Michigan, he did the exact same pose he did against Miami, and nobody said a word because they, you know, they were all happy. But the optics of him talking to the fans and shouting, the, the shouting into the to the camera is fun. I got no problem with that. But talking to the fans during the game, you got to stay focused. And then throw in that pick. That's where it comes from. The negativity. Need to let it go, people. This is your quarterback. You got a lot of big games to play with him as your quarterback. And I'm going to let it go. For now, I mean, obviously, if there's some negative things that happen, if he does negative things, I'm going to talk about him. I'm not going to bash him, though. Maybe I have bashed him in the past. I, 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 I'm starting to get kind of tired of the criticism of players as a whole. Look, I got no problem if you want to criticize a guy for getting suspended. I don't understand why these guys can't lay off the pipe all around the country when they know they're getting tested. It's not even it's not even hard to beat the test. Just don't smoke during this time. Or why they have to be late for class all the time until they get to a point or miss class for time until they get a point where they're going to be. I don't get that, okay? So I'll bash them for that. But for the way they play, I will comment on it. I will, I will be critical of their play, but I'm not going to bash them as people for that. Anyway... I've already talked way too much about that. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about this game this Saturday and talk about some of the other games that were played around the country, and there were some beauties. I know there's some Gator fans that kind of enjoyed it. 
Uh, we'll do all that and more when we return on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. I'm your host, Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Dooley Noted Podcast, presented by Zaxby's. Okay, so Tennessee Martin comes to town. Uh, what do we know about them? The Skyhawks? Uh, they had a great first game. Uh, they, they actually were not great in the first half and then destroyed Northwestern State, I know, uh, in the second half, shut them out. And um, they did give up, though, Almost 500 yards of offense. That's a good sign for Florida. It doesn't sound like defensively they're a great team. Their special teams are really good, and that's where they won the game against Northwestern State. Um, And obviously their defense played better in the second half, but uh, they gave up a lot of yards. Uh, Offensively, they didn't do a ton, but they they ran it pretty well. The only – you know, they're they're okay. They're they're a – kind of average team they went two and nine last year i think they're a little better this year got a lot of kids from the state of florida um you know but we all know what's happening saturday this is a money grab for them which is fine i i i get it i i prefer it didn't happen that florida would not play towson and tennessee martin and Eastern Michigan and all these other teams, I think we all would prefer that. We also understand why it happens. It happens for two reasons. One is because it's hard to schedule 12 Power 5 teams. I mean, I guess it's possible, but you don't really want to do that. So you've got to bring some of these schools in, and it helps them uh, financially. So, um, look, it is what it is, and – It'll be interesting to see if Florida does look a little sharper in some areas than they did in the first game. Kind of want to see them be a little better, um, obviously, in, in the turnover area. They, they better be better in the turnovers. If, if this is a trend, uh, that's going to be disturbing. Want to see them execute better offensively. Want to see them run the ball better more. There. Look, you're playing a team you should be able to overpower, and if you can't overpower Tennessee Martin – you're in. You may be in real trouble going forward because Florida is not good enough. As good as their receivers are, they're not good enough to just be a. We're going to throw it eighty times a game, not eighty times, but forty times a game or thirty times a game. Um, well, they did throw it twenty-seven against Miami. They were pretty balanced in that game. They just didn't run a whole lot of plays. They've got to be able to run the ball, and if they can't run the ball against Tennessee Martin. That's bad news for the Mighty Gators. Um, but, you know, it's also a, um, a home game. We haven't had a home game here in a long time. What was the last one? Was it uh, Idaho? Yeah, Idaho. Way back when. So it's going to be nice to have it. It's going to be brutal out there hot-wise, but hopefully it, it 
cools off as the night comes. Um, you know, maybe we get some wind or something like that. But uh, try to enjoy it and try to um, try to do smart things because we know how it gets on a home, especially home night games. Um, which that part of it is kind of cool. I, I'm gonna, you know, you guys know me. I, I don't like night games because I'm on deadline. I'd rather not be on deadline. But a lot of good games to watch. Now on Thursday we will preview uh, some of the games that are going on in college football. There's two big ones and a bunch of other ones that are pretty good. And heck, we don't know what might be a big game after last weekend, right? Who'd have thought I would sat I would have sat there and watched Georgia State Tennessee in its entirety on my second TV. I had a laptop going at my dad's house. Who'd have thought that I would? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I turned off the FSU Boise State game. I go, man, this game, this is ugly. Boise State can't get out of their own way. They're turning the ball over, and then they what they did shutting out FSU in the second half was unbelievable, and just dominated the game. Ran 108 plays, which is why they look tired. It wasn't dehydration. Yeah, anybody's going to be dehydrated if they are on the field as a defense for 108 plays. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Willie Taggart said we we need to look into our hydration. We need to do it early in the week. Uh, well, that's to me. I mean, I'm, I, I don't I don't want to overreact to this, but somebody needs to be fired over that. If you've if you've got an issue with hydration and you got players going out there and getting tired because they're not getting enough hydration earlier in the week, whoever's in charge of that shouldn't have a job. But the reason you got tired was because they ran 108 plays. Part of the reason was because your offensive coordinator did some dumb things. Like after you gave up a long drive and you guys are you can tell they're winded already and they're and the the humidity's getting to them, but for some reason doesn't get to Boise. Okay, I guess they were properly hydrated. What do you do? You throw two deep balls and get a, and give up a sack on another deep ball. And you're right off the field and your defense is right out there. That's just dumb play calling. But, you know, it goes back to this. When, when I hear Willie Taggart say things like, talk about conditioning, we've got to get better we got to get better in the weight room, stuff like that. I went back. It was just a coincidence. I was on uh, Facebook, and you know how they show you memories? And I, I have memories. I don't, I don't look. Look, they show them to you, I, and, I, and every once in a while I look at them. All right, so this was a memory. It was a swamp cast that Robbie and I did on Facebook Live from the Michigan game two years ago, three years ago, in, in uh, Arlington. At first, I didn't know what game it was, and I'm listening to me us talk about how bad they are and terrible they are. Um, but the funny thing is, I was reminded of something that was said by Jim McElwain after the game when he said, "You know, we got to get in the weight room. We got to we got to get stronger." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! It's too late. When the season starts, you're all you're doing is is maintaining. You're not lifting." to get stronger you're you're lifting to to keep it up i think i'm right about this not not lifting myself but your work is done in the weight room from 
end of January to the start of August, right? Then you start practicing, and you do you do a lot of weight work, but it's mostly just to maintain, just to. There's a word I'm looking for here. I can't. It's just not coming to me. But you're just trying to keep it up at that at that point, not let it slip. You can't get stronger. You can't. You can't condition yourself. You can't get bigger and stronger during a season. You might a little bit, but it is going to be negligible because you've got to take care of your body. You've got to not wear it out. I may be totally wrong on this, but I think I'm right. If I'm an FSU fan right now, I am, I'm just miserable. Or I could be a Tennessee fan, and then I could really be miserable. Not, maybe the most miserable guy was a guy whose 42-foot yacht caught on fire and sank, although I did read a good story about him saying, look, I got out, my family got out, my friends got out, my dog got out, We're, I'll, I'll be okay. And look, if you got a 42-foot yacht, you're probably doing all right financially, and I'm sure it's covered by insurance, but uh, it, it, it has become kind of the symbol of what Tennessee's opening day was. Um, that game was unbelievable to watch, and Tennessee looked very soft. And after the game, Sean Elliott said they were soft, and he knew he knew going in they were soft, and that's just not a good sign. Again, like the Nick Savage um, legend grows as we see rivals struggle with the very thing Florida's gotten better at, and Florida had so much trouble with before. With, with with Coach McElwain, it was the, the, the strength and conditioning was terrible. And Nick Savage comes in and now all of a sudden everything changes. So Tennessee's loss was bad. And of course the SEC took some on the chin. Missouri, you know, it's funny, Kelly Bryant threw for four twenty three in that game. Didn't really run for much. Maybe he's trying to show he's a passing quarterback. Wyoming completed six passes in the game, and yet Wyoming won. You know, Missouri got out to a 14-0 lead, and I watched a lot of that game too. We were, I was all over the place. But sometimes you get out to a 14-0 lead, the crowd's kind of dead, you're on the road, but you're, the crowd's dead, you don't have that many people there, and you think this is going to be easy, and you let all, you, your foot off the – the gas. I'm not saying the coaches do. Maybe the players did a little bit. And sometimes you can't switch that light back on. The amazing thing is how bad they were defensively. So you had that loss, the South Carolina loss. Will Muschamp just finds a way to lose some games. I love Will to death. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just blown away by some of the games he loses. And it was that way at Florida, and it's that way at South Carolina. And it'll be that way the next place he goes as a head coach. For some reason, he doesn't have the it factor. I mean, he is – I think he's a really good defensive coach. I, and I think he's a good coach. But he doesn't have the it factor. And a little bit of it is he's always protecting a lead or, you know, trying to catch up slowly. He'd still – the mentality's still not there. I think when 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 if I was South Carolina, when South Carolina has the ball, 
I would put him in that, you know, that meta tent that they medical tent they put, they put you so nobody can see in, which is I don't know the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I would put him in there so he couldn't watch anything and he couldn't have the headsets on or anything. And I wouldn't let him in any offensive meetings and I wouldn't let him influence anything we did. I would just say, hey, you get to do whatever you want offensively. Anyway, it was um, it was uh, it was a fun weekend. I enjoyed it. I, I mean, there was just enough going on. You know, it didn't end that great. Um, with the Sunday game wasn't great, but Jalen Hurts was unbelievable. And here's what we learned about Jalen Hurts: Jalen Hurts can pass to wide open guys. Yeah, he's good at that. I think I could have gone. I would. I think I would have gone like 19 for 32 in that game. Because he gets – I mean, Lincoln Riley's ridiculous. He gets guys open. And Jalen Hurts showed if you give him – we all knew he could run, and he did that very well. But if you give him wide-open guys that are really talented, he can go for a lot of yards. Now, we'll see when he gets into some of the tougher games. But Houston was supposed to be a tough game. It wasn't. Um, and then the Monday game, I actually went to bed in the – at halftime, I just you could see where it was going. Like if Notre Dame wanted to, they could run every play and net not get stopped. So I got up early, did my top uh, twenty-five, sent that in, and um, I got some more things to talk. I could talk about what happened in college football this weekend because it was a long weekend forever. But I want to bring on our guest Mike Hugan from the Athletic, and of course former sports editor of the Gainesville Sun. And a good friend of mine. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll take a break first. We'll be right back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits in Florida is family-owned since 1936 and longtime Gator supporters. Did you know Touchdown Terrace was named after the founder, Jack Holloway? There are 122 ABC locations throughout Florida. Shop online at abcfws.com and pick up in-store on the way to your tailgate or game day party. ABC has walk-in coors for beer and amazing deals every day on wine and spirits. Save $10 on every $100 on wine. ABC Wickers, proud Gator supporters. Welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. It's a great pleasure to be joined by my friend Mike Huguenin from The Athletic. Does a great job covering college football. He is all over it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I told somebody this this week. Like last year, college football wasn't that great. There weren't that many great games. And we're already off to a great start this year with upsets. But also, you know, the Auburn-Oregon game. I, I feel confident this is going to be a fun year. Yeah, and I think that, that, that Jalen Hurts' performance uh, Sunday night for Oklahoma makes things more interesting. How's Justin Fields going to do at Ohio State? Big-time transfer quarterbacks. Who, if you follow college football, you're well acquainted with these guys. Uh, I agree. I think it's going to be an exciting season. And, you know, Auburn, Oregon, it lived up to billing as a really entertaining game. I think you can argue that neither team played all that well, but part of that was because these teams are pretty good. 
and it was a, it was an extremely fun game to watch. And Oklahoma Houston was not close, but it was fun because of Jalen Hurts. So yeah, I, this weekend has uh, two really high profile games. And yeah, you look at the rest of the schedule. You're like every week there's wow, there's a game I got to make sure I watch. So that's a good thing. Well, you can't talk about uh, players not playing well because, you know, Felipe Franks is a, the poster child for being an awful player. We all know that, you know. I mean, yeah, it's, a, it, it's amazing. You know, Justin Fields, his first start for Ohio State, Ohio State scores four touchdowns in the first seven minutes of the game, and then they sort of were stuck in the mud after that. And you're like, oh, my God, Justin Fields is over me. What's going on here? <laughs> it's almost as if fans expect – big-time things every time a player steps on the field. Now, unfortunately for a lot of quarterbacks, you had what Hurts did on Sunday night, you know, almost 500 yards of offense and six touchdowns, and I think everybody's like, why can't everybody be like Jalen Hurts? Well, it's because not everybody plays for Oklahoma. So, but yeah, it's it's first weekend overreaction, and I don't think we're going to get a true picture of a lot of these teams or players until obviously week three or week four, just like every season. They should give Lincoln Riley a Heisman. They should just go ahead and give him one. Yeah, the guy, I think there's some people out there who still, you know, he's never won a national title. He's 34 years old. How good a coach is this guy? He's one of the three or four best coaches in the nation, easily. And I think if you're a college fan, you better watch Oklahoma while you can because I think sooner rather than later, he's going to be in the NFL. Let's talk about the SEC and how uh, obviously everybody loved bashing them after some terrible losses, and they were bad losses. Tennessee's loss, Missouri's loss. Missouri's loss was even almost as bad as Tennessee's loss. But the bottom line is the top of the league still is, is, is pretty darn good, and I think people are looking at the middle to the bottom of the league and going, oh, the league's not. But, but that's been what the SEC has bragged on. Top to bottom, we're the best league in America. Well, you're not this year. No, and I think Tennessee, the, the lines were a concern going into the season, and they're even a bigger concern now. Missouri's defense was atrocious, and that's a little bit surprising considering that's Barry Odom's side of the ball. But Missouri always gets off the slow start, it seems. Um, but you're right. I mean, I don't think anybody's saying anything about, you know, Auburn's win was impressive. LSU looked like a team that realized, hey, you're allowed to throw the ball. It's, it's within the rules. Alabama had a slow start, still blew out Duke. Um, Georgia looked fine. Um, not super impressive, but I think Vanderbilt's not that bad. So, But you're right, I think people focused on, oh, my God, Ole Miss lost to Memphis. Oh, my God, Tennessee lost to Georgia State. Oh, my God, Missouri lost to Wyoming. The SEC's horrible. Um, those really aren't that good of teams to begin with. What's your, what's your take, not only on what happened to Florida State on Saturday, but then Willie Taggart coming out and saying, well, we didn't hydrate pop properly. I just am blown away by by that. That's it's ridiculous. And I think if you watch that game, yeah, one reason they didn't look hydrated is because the defense was on the field <laughs> for 100 plays. I mean, Boise State starting a true freshman quarterback, kids 19 years old, he threw for 400 yards. And all off season, we heard, okay, FSU defense is going to be a lot better this year. Then they go to the 3-4 in preseason camp. Oh, my goodness, no one's going to run on FSU this year. Boise State ran up the gut with impunity. 
Yeah. No worries at all. Batchmeyer throws for 411. FSU could not get off the field. And I think that if you're an FSU fan, what you're most upset with, besides the fact that they blew an 18-point lead, is that Willie Taggart says the same thing after this loss that he said after the same loss every single season. We've got to execute better. We've got to get guys on the same page. We've got to get guys in the locker room who care about losing. Well, you know, you're, you're – one game into your second year, you've lost eight of the 13 games you've coached at Florida State. Um, maybe it's time to come up with something other than cliched responses. And it's, it is sort of mystifying that the FSU defense has been so abjectly bad since Taggart got there. Harlan Barnett arrived with a really good reputation for Michigan State. They played really high-level defense for him for whatever reason – FSU's defense has not been very good. And, again, the fact that they got shredded by Boise State's running game. Boise State came in with an all-new group of running backs. Their lead back has gained 234 yards in his career. He ran for 50% of that against FSU. So the defense, yeah, the reason they were sucking wind in the fourth quarter is they couldn't get off the field. Yeah, it, and you mentioned Bachmeyer. I may get a Hank for Heisman T-shirt. I like that. Um, but uh, I think Pat Forty had this note: the um, the fr- freshman quarterbacks that started for Division One teams were nine and three this week, and and led some great comebacks. I, I think we're over the point of these kids coming out of high school now have been to quarterback camps and elite eleven camps, and they're ready to play football. Yeah, they, they don't and- need to be to be coddled. Yeah, this is not even 10 years ago where a true freshman quarterback starting, well, that's a big deal. That's pretty impressive. Now it's, I, I think these kids go to school. Bo Nix signed with Auburn fully expecting to start game one. I think Backmire did the same thing at Boise State. Sam Howell at North Carolina. You're right. They're, they're seven-on-seven camps from the time they're 12 years old. A lot of these kids have personal quarterback coaches. They're trained to be college quarterbacks. It's not in the old days where you were a high school quarterback and you handed the ball off 30 times a game and threw it 15. Now you're throwing it 40. You're lined up in a shotgun. You're running, you're, you're off, your high school offense is running four and five wide sets. So the same thing you ran in high school, basically you're running in college. Obviously a little bit more sophisticated and better opponents, but you're used to running that style of offense. And you're right, these kids – don't, don't there's there's a learning curve to an extent, but it's not nearly as steep as it was. Heck, like I said, even ten years ago. And if you watch Bo Nix on Saturday, he played poorly for or mediocre football for eighty percent of the game. He did, but yeah. he came on in the fourth quarter because he got more comfortable. And if you're an Auburn fan, you're excited by that. And frankly, if you're an Auburn opponent, that's a little bit worrisome because he beat a good team in his first start. I'm gonna give you three coaches to close, and you you tell me whether I'm whether this is overreaction or not overreaction here. And, and we always do. This is what we do. It's week one. We overreact. Uh, let's start with Charlie Strong. Is oh, Charlie man. Strong in trouble? That was embarrassing. That was that was yeah. That was a pitiful performance by USF on both sides of the ball. And a lot of folks, you know, Kerwin Bell's the new offensive coordinator. Uh, I think Kerwin Bell, is, he knows what he's doing. His problem is his quarterback's not good. Blake Barnett, yeah. there's a reason the dude left Alabama, and there's a reason he left Arizona State. He's a mediocre quarterback at best. 
So uh, Charlie Strong's buyout is not that high. I I think he's in legit trouble. They opened last season 7-0. They haven't won since. They've lost seven games in a row, and the offense has been not good. So, yeah, I think Charlie Strong is – if his his seat is not the hottest because Clay Helton at USC is, but for a group of five coach, I think Charlie Strong's seat is the hottest of all. Another guy who uh, we know very well from here, uh, Will Muschamp, with a bad loss to start the season, and there, and that was a game they were supposed to win, and there aren't too many other ones on their schedule. Um, his buyout's pretty extensive. Could he be in trouble this year? I think he could. Yeah, I think he is. I think actually Bentley getting hurt might save him because they're having to go with a true freshman. But I think if you're a Florida fan, you look at Will Muschamp and go, yeah, year four, it's the same offense that it was in his first year. He can change coordinators all you want, but it's almost as if, if Will Muschamp is your coach, your offense is tainted. It can't be good because he's associated with the program. And Muschamp's a great guy, and he's a really good defensive mind, but he always coaches not to lose rather than coach to win, and there's a big big difference. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's... it's sad in a way that they don't look any different than he did the first year he got there. Again, I think the thing that might save him is that he's going to go with a true freshman quarterback. But true freshman quarterbacks, as you pointed out two minutes ago, they're expected to win these days. So let's see what South Carolina does with Tyler Holensky and whether they let him be sort of a gunslinger, which is what he's known to be. So my presumption is, though, he'll be sort of – square peg round hole because that's, that's the way Muschamp coaches offense. Yeah, my, I wrote about this several times when he was here. He coaches to protect his defense. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's, that's I think, one of the big flaws. All right, last one for you. Josh Heupel. I know it was just FAMU, but look what he's done with quarterbacks. They brings Brandon Winbush down there. Can't, can't hit a broadside of barn. Has a great game. And I know it was FAMU. I say that again. But what are the chances Josh Heupel is not at a Power 5 program next year? Josh Heupel, um, yeah, but I, I, you, you mentioned Wimbush. I actually think that the freshman is going to beat him out eventually, Gabriel. They right. play FAU this week, assuming the game isn't postponed. They're going to blow FAU out of the water. Then they get, it gets interesting, Stanford and Pitt. Heupel, there's a lot of folks out there that think he's a really high-level offensive mind. You talk to people at Oklahoma, though, and they're like, Notice how much better we got when he left. And he has a personality that does not necessarily mesh with everybody. So, but, yeah, I think Hypo, they're going to win 10 minimum because that's, well, that, that's a team with a ton, ton of speed. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say 50-50 on Hypo getting another job after this season. I think his personality will not mesh well with every uh, athletic director out there. His name is Mike Huguenin from The Athletic and, of course, former sports editor of the Gainesville Sun. We'll take a break, come back with more on the Dilly Noted Podcast right after this break. I'm your host, Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Dooley Noted Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Okay, we'll get to three things next week. Uh, or I'm sorry, Thursday, I will, uh, I'll give you some sure things, too, on the uh, picks. Um. We'll look at some of the spreads. I'm 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 actually really looking forward to looking at some of the spreads and some of the great games that are going on. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm gonna get to three things in a minute. I want to continue with some college football talk. 
And I mentioned this in my column. It's which if you're getting it in the print edition, you get tomorrow. If you're if you've already read it online, it was already up. But if I'm Derek Mason, I want out. And I, I'm not kidding about that. I'm watching that game and it's it's like eighty five fifteen uh Georgia fans to Vandy fans. Okay? Now, has has Vanderbilt given in them any reason to support their team? Not really. I mean, they've, they've won enough to me for what the lack of support is financially for that program. The stadium's still not nothing special. But it's real easy to get to, and it's comfortable. It's not like it's, you know, brutal. Uh, you don't have to get – you don't have to go up that high – to get a good, I mean, you, you can go to the top row at Vanderbilt Stadium and go, I, I can see pretty good from here. I mean, it's not the worst stadium in the world. It's the worst in the SEC. But to be honest with you, I don't, I, I think Missouri's is worse. And there's probably a couple others. But irregardless of that, if I'm Derek Mason, I just go, look, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to continue to coach against. The fans, I don't want to continue to have home field advantage for the other team when I'm playing big games. You know, somebody pointed out that next year LSU will be there. The LSU doesn't go there very often. Georgia's there every other year and still dominated it. When LSU goes there, there might not be any Vanderbilt fans there. I would just want to get out. And that's me. And I'm not saying you should be a quitter, I'm just saying it's pretty obvious. You can't win. I don't know how James Franklin did it. I don't know. I would love to take a deep dive into why he was successful there. And look, Bobby Johnson wasn't terrible, but it seems like a trend that has happened lately. And my theory on it, I'm talking about in terms of the crowd, my theory on it is that there aren't, and this goes back to teams don't travel. Visiting opponents don't travel very much anymore. And, and I documented that two years ago in a piece I did in the summer, and then I've, I pointed it out. La- the, last two, uh, the last two years, the biggest crowd Florida got for opposing fans was Texas A&M, and that's because they'd never been here. But like Kentucky, 790 tickets sold for the Florida game, which they won. They don't want to go back down there and, and lose again to them, you know, and sit in crummy seats way up high other than the band and a few fans. That's just the way it is. So fans don't want to travel, but guess where, where you know, Nashville? Yeah. Let's go to – let's plan our trip and go to Nashville. And so what's happened is – it happened with Florida last year. Florida dominated the crowd. You saw Georgia do it in this game. You'll see LSU do it next year. That's got to be hard if you're Derek Mason. Maybe maybe you look at me and you hear me say this and you go, I would never teach anybody to quit. And I'm not saying he should just quit. I'm just saying I would get some feelers out there. So, you know, if you uh, have an opening at, I don't know, trying to think of a good possibility, Oregon State, I'd like to get to the back to the, to the coast. I'll take that job. I don't know what kind of crowds they get. Anyway, um, it, it it's just it's just a theory of mine. 
Another theory of mine is how bad uh, USF looked. You know, we talk about that with uh, with Mike Hugan and uh, that that just I just don't like two of them. My favorite people in the world had basically had their pants pulled down and they were spanked on national TV, and that makes me feel terrible. Charlie Strong and and Kerwin Bell. I love those guys. Kerwin especially. Uh, well, no, both of them especially. But to get beat that bad, I hope they can figure out what they did. Now, Wisconsin's a good football team. But but to get beat that bad is not a good look. And hopefully they can turn something around. Uh, I, I was going to get to some Gators in the NFL. I don't know if I've got time. I know this is an unlimited podcast. I can talk forever. But um, I know that there comes a time when you guys say, yeah, I've had enough. Had enough of the, the duly noted podcast. Obviously, a lot of injuries. JT Daniels for USC out for the year. Does that help Clay Helton? Do they say, well, we understand you lost your quarterback? I don't know if it does or not. Uh, Jake Bentley out for a while for South Carolina. Um, Mike said that, you know, it could end up helping uh, Coach Muschamp, who's got a rough schedule ahead of him. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that all that goes. And again, like we can sit here, it's like all we did, or not we, but all that the national commentators did last week was bash Florida because that's all they had was Florida to bash. They didn't bash Miami. The loser of the game was not bashed. The loser of the game who had 14 penalties was not bashed. It was all Florida that got bashed and Felipe that got bashed. Well, this week, They've got all this fodder, so they must be so excited. Look, we can bash Tennessee all day long. We can bash FSU. We can bash Missouri. We should have known better. They never play good until November. Keep bashing. Bash, bash, bash. We can bash all day if we want. But you got to look at some of the positives, too. A lot of good things happened in college football. There were a lot of exciting things. And it was a great day. I tell you, that, let me get, let me go to three things. It's time for three things. And we'll start with number one. The NFL is back, and I'm happy. I It's a great Sunday uh, diversion. Well, I'm either working. Usually I'm working during some of it or watching TV or grilling. Uh, I don't take it as seriously as college football, but it's certainly America's sport. There's no doubt about it. It's the big highest rated for everything and makes a ton of money. I'm just happy it's back. I'm looking forward to watching some games. Um, Green Bay, Chicago on Thursday night. Watch Eddie Pinedo. Pinedo. See if he can hold on to that job. I was amazed at some of the people that did get cut uh, in the NFL uh, Tommy Townsend surprised me. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite apparently has got a real problem. And I, I uh, look, we didn't get to know him that well when he was here. We talked to him a few times. I remember talking to him at the uh, Peach Bowl. Seemed like a good guy. The retire mom's uh, Twitter handle, and you're like, okay, he's going to make it in the NFL. And when he had a great year, you go, oh, this is going to be great to make it in the NFL. He's going to buy his mom a house. And he's not in the NFL. He actually is. He's with Seattle's practice squad. You're not making a ton of money there. And who knows if he can straighten out. 
but apparently when he was with the Jets, and we all know that his combine was terrible, and most people felt like he got fat, he gained bad weight, he got some bad advice or whatever, but when he got to the Jets, he was late for meetings, he was fined several times. I, I don't know why he couldn't take the attitude he took during his junior year at Florida, and even before that, as a sophomore, he was a really he hustled his tail off on a four and seventeen. Why he couldn't take that and translate it to the NFL, and instead he didn't. Now I think he was limited in what he did well anyway, and I, I was curious whether it would work out for him because he was an edge rusher. Uh, they moved him. They they had him at outside linebacker. I guess they're playing a three four. I don't even know. But um, you know, may may not fit him well. But you gotta, dude. You just can't do that in the NFL. And then the other one was Tease Tabor getting cut. And you know, reading up on some of this stuff, I started thinking Joe Hayden the same weekend gets a big extension, right? And I got thinking about it. What's the difference between Tease Tabor and Joe Hayden? And it's just so simple. It's just speed. Tease was never a fast guy. Great on technique, great on film study. I mean, he you remember the pick against Kentucky was one of the coolest picks ever when he picked off a bubble screen, diving in front of the guy. He had studied. He knew it was coming. He went after him. That's what he was good at. What he wasn't good at was running fast. He ran a 4-6 in the um, combine and didn't do better at pro day. And that's the difference, man. you got to be – I've always said this. Look, everybody thinks that the NFL players are just these massive – you know, incredible uh, physical specimens in terms of the size and everything. It's not how big they are. They're about like you, the college guys, in terms of size. But they're balls of muscle, and they're really fast. They all can run fast. And when they hit you, they hit you hard because they're getting there. It's just, you know, the basic physics of it. Somebody with a lot of power – runs at you very hard and hits you, it's going to hurt. And you're going to go down. And that's what these guys are. They're incredibly fast. for their No matter what position they're playing, they're fast. I mean, you could say, well, a defensive, what about that big, big fat Vince Wolfork, somebody like that. And he's quick. Okay, you give me, I mean, you know, golf has Craig Stather. There's always one of those guys around. Anyway, that's my theory on that. And that's all I have to say about it. NFL's back, though. Excited. Number two on three things. It was great to see Bobby Cox back at the ballpark for the Braves. Uh, had, had a stroke five months ago. Uh, Bobby Cox, of course, is a legend in my mind because I'm a huge Braves fan. And it's just good to see him doing better. I, was, I thought we were about to see the end of him. Um, it's great to see him back. This What's going on with the Braves and the Nationals is amazing in that no matter – they just keep winning, and uh, the Braves still have a six-and-a-half game lead. The Braves are now 31 games over 500 going into tonight's game. I'm so proud of this team because it just – every time you kind of get a little bit down on them, like, oh, the bullpen or oh, they can't hit all of a sudden. They had a two-game run where they couldn't hit and lost two games. They came right back and won the next five, I think it is, in a row. This is really a fun team to watch. I Again, I'm not optimistic. The Dodgers are great. Houston's great. The Yankees are great. Maybe not great, great. But um, there are great teams out there, that probably better than Atlanta. But I'm enjoying it. And the amazing thing is, 
to me that the Braves have done what they've been able to do with the Nationals playing incredible baseball right behind them, right on their heels, and they go, yeah, we just better, well, we can't count on you guys losing, so we better go win. It's almost been that. I, I actually finally, and I'm the worst at that, I'm always looking, come on, I'm flipping over to the Nationals game hoping they're going to lose and we can pick up a half game on them. And I went, hey, just win. Just win, baby. If you win your games, you're fine, right? Who cares if they lose? They can get in the wild card. They may not get out of the wild card. All right, finally, number three, when does a bad decision end up being a good decision? Well, when you win the game. You know, Dan Mullen made a lot of decisions in his first game. The fake punt, going for it on fourth down, throwing the ball on first down. Sometimes you make bad – with four minutes and 30 seconds to go. Sometimes you make bad decisions, but you win the game, and it's okay. We saw it again Saturday. The decision that Clay Helton made to go for it on fourth and one with his backup quarterback in up eight points, probably not the smartest decision. Didn't get it. Had to hold off Fresno State. But he won. So he doesn't catch a lot of heat. Although he's still catching a little bit. Mac Brown amazingly took a knee – in his own territory, rather than punt, and that allows South Carolina to get a Hail Mary off. They didn't get it, so Mac Brown was being celebrated. But if they had gotten it, he'd have looked like an idiot. Sometimes you can get away with bad decisions if you win the game. All right, that's going to do it for today's Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate Mike Hugan. Appreciate all of you for clicking on. We'll be back on another one Thursday. We'll preview the weekend. I'll give you a little bit more on Tennessee Martin. And uh, don't forget, again, to read uh, Thursday's paper or read it online. Uh, had a great interview with Clint McMillan. Clint, he's now Clinton McMillan, uh, more formally, he said, um, who is a head, or a head coach, is a coach at Tennessee Martin. So that'll be that'll be then. And I got a, I got a column for Saturday I think you guys are going to enjoy as well. But maybe you won't, right? I hope you do. You enjoyed this, right? We'll give you more of that Thursday. Until then, Pat Dooley, sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I'm deep, I'm way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit Zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org.